I, I would love for us to do, I, I have two texts that I'll be operating from this morning, and that, that isn't to say me doing that means that we'll be here for an hour, but I do have, I do have two texts that I want us to operate and navigate from. Uh, in the first text, uh, I want us to do a communal reading of sorts, and in the second text, I will read. But by the time we get to the second text, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you guys to sit, all right? But uh, if, if you would, I want us to be able to, to look at this, this text together, and we're going to do this together. We're going to read this together. You guys ready? So this is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. We're reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, how much more do I need to say? By faith. Too good for this world. I want to do this morning is I want to I want to try and transition from where we ended last year and and share some thoughts as to a potential theme as it were for us in 2024 uh, if, if you would allow me to just go back really quickly on on last year we we ended our year with the series preaching through the book of Hebrews chapter 10 uh, and we ended in chapter number 11, where we were endeavoring to, to look at that text and see what the Hebrew writer would have been saying to his audience back then, and certainly is saying to his audience today, as to what it looks like and what it means to walk in faith. And, and throughout it all, uh, when you get to chapter number 11, the Hebrew writer does this thing where he is itemizing some of the, the, the periods in Israelite history through the lens and the experience, experiences of some of the more well-known individuals in said history. And so he would talk about, for example, the exploits to an extent of Abraham, of, 
of Isaac. He, he would talk about Moses. He, he, he would talk about the fact that uh, within the confines of, of their, their lifetime, they would trust God and they would put their confidence in God to the extent and to the degree that God would use them to accomplish great feats. But then as you make your way down to verse number uh, 32, where our scripture, our communal scripture was taken, really, he, he begins to list a, a bunch of names. And it really isn't randomized, but what he's trying to say is, in as much as I've already talked about Moses, and in as much as I've already talked about Aaron, in as much as I've talked about Abel, and, and all of these great people that make up and constitute uh, Israelite history, the, the, the people of God, he said, what more would I have to say, or what more can I share about individuals like Gideon, about Samson, about Jephthah, and, and David, because he said, time would fail me, and time would not permit and that's interesting because he, he, what he's really trying to help them to understand is that there are so many other people that he did not list and he did not name that lived a life of faith that was equitable to some of the greats like Abraham, some of the greats like Isaac, some of the greats like Moses, etc. And so we get to a place where really the point he is trying to drive home, number one, is that uh, for those individuals who are pleasing in the sight of God, it's simply those individuals who trust God enough wholeheartedly that they would never let go of God no matter what the circumstance or no matter what they face in this life. But he ends, note this, he ends by saying, even though these men and these women were faithful to God, yet they did not receive the promise for God is waiting in order to give them a true blessing when he puts them together with us in the last days when it comes to Jesus Christ's second coming. So the idea was, I want you to hold firm, say hold firm. He says, the idea was, I want you to be faithful. Say, be faithful. And he says, I want you to be faithful because, number one, you have an, a, a great cloud of witnesses that you could look to, but also you have a God who, 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 whose promises never fail. So that brings me, that brings me to, to this text that I want to read to us, and I'm using this as a launching pad. This is really about me sharing with, with us this theme for the year, Antioch, Antioch C of C, AC of C. This is going to be the theme for us for the year, and the theme simply is fearless. I, I want you to put your hand on your chest. You know how you do it sometimes when you're trying to encourage yourself. I want you to put your hand on your, on your chest and simply utter the word fearless. No, I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it on somebody next to you and, and just say to that person, let's be fearless. Come on. Let's be fearless. Let's be fearless. Uh, uh, if you don't mind, let me read this text. Let me read this text. Let me read this text and we'll transition into my brief exhortation for this morning. I'm reading from the book of Joshua. Joshua is a book of conquest. If you ever had to think about the major theme that's running through the book of Joshua, there are several themes, spiritual and theological themes that you would find within the confines of the book of Joshua. But one of the biggest themes and tag points of Joshua is the idea of conquest. The fact that the people of God have to go into this space and they have to take this space because it's theirs, but not theirs yet. 
You see, God had promised that this land, the land of Canaan, was to be theirs. But in as much as God had already promised, there was still some work to be done. So in as much as God gave a commission, the commission came with a charge. And the charge would be, you need to go and you need to conquer. So the book of Joshua is a book of conquest. Help me preach. Say conquest. That means that you have to go into a space and not only dominate the space, but take the space as your own under a new banner, under a new king. That's important because they weren't necessarily taking it simply for their own and for themselves. They were taking it under the banner of the king of Israel. Don't miss it. They were taking it under the authority of Jehovah God. They were taking it and they were walking in the authority and the power of the great God of heaven. It wasn't a matter of just them making it their own. No, they were stepping in the authority of Yahweh. So the book is a book of conquest. And, and case in point, as you get to verse number one, you'll see this really quickly as we do our reading. I'm going to take this reading from verse number one and I'll terminate at verse number nine. And I'll get into this brief exhortation on this morning. I'm reading, of course, in this translation from the New King James Version. It reads like this from verse number one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. That's a command. He says, now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Note verse number three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, For the, from this wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, verse number five, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. If I were to preach there for just five seconds, that didn't mean that you wouldn't encounter men while on your journey. That didn't mean that you wouldn't encounter adversity and adversaries while on your journey. So don't, don't misinterpret what God even was saying to Joshua. It wasn't that you wouldn't have to fight Joshua. It would just mean that no matter who you encounter, no matter how big they are, no matter how big they were, they will not have the victory over you. So he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I don't know if that comforts somebody. I will not leave you. I don't know if that speaks to somebody. He says, I will not leave you nor turn my back on you. He says, be strong and of good courage for to this people uh, you shall divide an inheritance of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. 
only. Watch it. Look at the requirement. He said, only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Only be strong and very courageous. Why do you need to be strong and very courageous? Do you need to be strong and very courageous uh, simply because you're going to encounter difficulty and challenges? No, 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 no. Notice what he says. Don't miss this in the text. He says, only be strong and courageous for to this people. Uh, sorry, verse number seven. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe. According to uh, all that is written in the law of Moses, my servant commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may be prosper, prosperous wherever you go. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it and on it both day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I'm almost done with the reading. Verse number nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord your God. A different translation would say, the Lord, thy God. Uh, here, here is why you ought not to be afraid or disheartened or dismayed, for your God is with you. I want to talk to you this morning very briefly about what it means to be fearless, walking in strength and courage. Walking in strength and courage. I have a, a, a quick a quick, simple definition for the idea of what it means to be fearless, and it simply is this, possessing or displaying courage. It is the ability to face and deal with danger or fear without, watch it, flinching or freezing. I, I, and one of the things I want us to appreciate about this simple definition is that it might vary based on where you are, but the idea is one becomes fearless in as they display the ability of courage to do a particular task that might be difficult or even within them they might have some apprehension to do. I'm using the word apprehension because I don't want to wear the word fear out, but the idea is even within the individual, there might be some fear, but you display an, a, an ability to be fearless in that your fear is not the driving force behind you, but you're able to push past the fear in order to achieve the goal or the task at hand. So that's the operating uh, definition I'm working from, a, a possessing or displaying courage. Uh, it is the ability to face and deal with danger or fear without flinching. Some people just, just don't flinch, right? I, I have a, a, a little son, Isaiah. Uh, I mean, he's growing up now, so there might be some fear in him. But I tell you, like one year ago, this dude was fearless. Uh, he, he would look at a ladder. He would want to climb up on it, and he would want to jump off. No fear, zero fear. He would not flinch. Now he might pause a little bit, but he'll still move. See what I'm saying? So, so, so the idea is, even if you get to the point of not flinching, the point is you, you never freeze 
because of fear. Watch it. Let me, let me display something. Go on to the next slide if you don't mind. Go on to the next slide. I, I, I want to share some, something really because there, there are some myths that are associated with fear. And, and, and for us as Christians, I know this, this is across the board. Uh, some of you are already laughing because you're looking at the slide. You, you know this show. You know this show. There are some myths that are, that are associated with fear, especially in Christendom. It's one thing to think about fear outside in the, in the general world. It's a next thing entirely when we think about fear within the confines of the Christian realm. So here are the myths I want us to look at as pertaining to fear number one. When we think about some of the myths about fear number one, fear keeps you safe. Uh, that, that's, that's what we kind of tell ourselves sometimes that uh, if, if all the time you were courageous about doing something, you were gung-ho about doing something and, and you get to the point of actually doing it and, and you feel this overwhelming sense of fear and you don't do it, then somebody comes to you and say, well, maybe the reason why it is, uh, you know, you, you weren't supposed to do it was because the fear was telling you something, right? So number one, when you think about the myths about fear, number one, fear keeps you safe. That is not necessarily always the case. Uh, number two, successful people have no fear. You take your pick of the litter. You take your pick in the list. The people that you, might de you and I might deem that are highly successful in life, it doesn't matter whether it's academics. It doesn't matter whether it's eco economics. It does not matter whether it's athletics. I'm telling you, the people that are, we deem most successful in life, the tendency is to believe, well, these people are fearless. But, but, but when you, you, you sit down and you, you, you look at the documentaries, Any, anybody here know, know who's, knows who MJ is, Michael Jordan? You know, growing up, when you didn't really know Michael Jordan because all you knew about him was what you saw on the television screen and, and he could play really well, and you, you would tell yourself, this dude had no fear whatsoever until he reveals his journey of how he became a well-known NBA player. And then you realize there were times in his life, even though he was confident in his ability, there were times in his life when he was fearful. There were times in his life when he didn't know, but he still continued to push, push through the pain. He, he, push, he pushed past all of the negative thought and negative commentary to the point and to the degree where Michael Jordan is the sole reason. I don't care what anybody says. Michael Jordan is the sole reason why it is the NBA is as big as it is today. And I know the league has gotten a little bit soft. But as far as growing the NBA as a brand, that was all Michael Jordan. You name the person, you name the hero, and the truth is there is a myth behind the conception that these most successful people in life have no fear. I will have you to know as you look at big brother Jesus, the tendency is to believe that, well, Jesus was superhuman, and he was, but he calls you and I to be superhuman as well when we embrace the Holy Spirit. And I need for you to understand that in as much as Jesus is the epitome of courage, in as much as Jesus is the epitome of faith, in as much as Jesus is the epitome of obedience, I need for you to understand that there was a point in his life where he struggled. Struggled with fear. 
What do you mean, Brother Morgan? Well, I don't see that. Do you remember in the garden when he was praying and uh, the, the, the sweat was dropping like as drops of blood and he said, Father, if it be possible, and I know some of you don't like this because it shows Jesus in a certain light, but if you stay there, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. If you stay there, that would have been the problem, but he didn't stay there. He said, nevertheless, that's fearlessness. I have an apprehension in the flesh, but I have the courage to say, in as much as this is how I feel, if it be your will, I will. So, so myth number two, myth number two, and this is not even a sermon, but I need to get through this. Myth number two is that successful people have no fear. Myth number three, fear is a sign. I know some of you are super, super, super superstitious. I know it. You don't have to tell me. And this is not me judging anybody. I just know it. I, I, I know some of us still deal with signs. And maybe that was a sign. That was a sign. Well, there is a tendency to believe that if, if, if fear is the thing that you feel in a particular moment, that's a sign that you shouldn't do it. So, so, so that's myth number three. Fear is a sign. Myth number four and this is really from a religious standpoint now. Because I think this myth is really where we operate from the majority of times in Christendom. The idea and the belief that the presence of fear means the absence of faith. I want you to know, and I want to say this right here as, as strongly as I can. I'm not going to apologize for this. That is, I'm going to make this word up because anything I think of doesn't come out good. So I'm going to make up a word that go, that's going to sound good on social media. That is fooldoggery. Right? That, that's a good word. It's foolishness. To think that the presence of fear means the absence of faith is absolute nonsense. Excrement, if I would, to use a big word to, to showcase what I'm talking about. It's, it's absolute nonsense. All right? And so for us, I need for us to appreciate, if you'd go on to the next slide, for us, I need for us to appreciate that fear is, is one of those things that you and I would always face with. The, the question always is, how do we deal with it? It's not a matter of if you'll ever encounter fear. It's a matter of when. And when you do, how do you deal with it? Anybody here ever been fearful of doing something? Let, let, let me see the, all the honest hands of all the honest people. Anybody here ever been afraid? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're, you're being honest. I've been afraid. I, I could tell you as much as Jonathan. Let me tell you how the body betrays you. Let, let me tell you how the body betrays you. Jonathan, uh, uh, you, you did a great job this morning. Uh, uh, and, and for all the talk he told um, Chuck that, oh, no, I wasn't afraid. Let me tell you how the body betrays you. The, 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 the palms become sweaty, the, 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 the lips become dry, <laughs> the breathing becomes a little bit shaky. It's, it's because you have the courage to stand, but it does not mean that you avoid your absent of some type of fear. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so, so the, the, the full doggeriness of the thought that the present... <laughs> Put that in the English dictionary. That the presence of fear in your life means the absence of faith is ludicrous. 
Because we will all encounter and engage with fear at some point. But the question remains, church, how do you deal with fear when you encounter it? So I want to suggest two things really quickly. Two things uh, in, in, the, in the text of Joshua that become so helpful to us. This is just a brief encouragement. Two things. If you'd go on to the next slide. Two things that, that as you look at the confines of Joshua that God is saying to Joshua that is so helpful to us. Number one, number one, this is, this is a quote, not necessarily from God, but I'm quoting God in verse number five. He says, place your confidence in me. When, when, when you want to deal with fear in your life, Joshua, which I know you will have, Joshua, which I know that you will have, Holly, which I know that you will have, Patterson, when I, when I know that you will have, it, put the name, your name in there. When you are dealing with fear, here is how you treat with it. Put your confidence in Yahweh. Put your confidence in Jehovah and not in yourself because guess what self will fail from time to time the first time you did the thing that you became proficient in i promise you you had a failure steph curry is you guys might be saying this dude is just talking about basketball this morning but 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 but, but steph curry is by far right now in in, in the world the best three-point shooter that the, the, the world has ever seen. And maybe there are others, but they're not on the platform that he is. But I want you to understand that this dude, before he became the best of the best, before he would become the clutch shooter that he is, he missed some shots that cost his team the game. And so we might become proficient in something now, but I promise you, the first few times you did it, indeed the first time you may have done it, you made a mess of it. You fell, you faltered, you failed, but you didn't stop. That's the idea of pushing through and pushing past. So when I think about what it means to, to deal with fear, here is what God says. He says, I want you to place your confidence, say confidence. I need for you to place all of your trust, not in yourself, but in me. Look at what God says. Look at what he says in, in these verses. He says, number one, here is why you could put your trust and your confidence in me. He says, number one, as I was with Moses. In other words, you know Joshua because you've seen how I operated with Moses. There was never a time when Moses was walking that I wasn't walking with him and he wasn't walking with me. Don't miss it. There was never a time when Moses went to battle and went to fight that I wasn't there. You've seen my capacity to walk alongside your mentor. So he says the reason why you could put your confidence, say confidence. The reason why you could put your confidence in me because you've seen how I've walked with Moses. The same way I was with Moses is the same way I'm going to be with you. But then he goes on to say, to say, I will never. God is not a man, scripture says, that, that, that he should promise and not do something. He says, I will never leave you. Let me tell you why that becomes important because God is using, he is using, he is using love language here. He, he is standing at the altar of covenant. He is standing at the altar of union. And he is confessing 
I will never leave you. In the good times and in the bad times. Don't miss it. Because Israel would have some bad times. But God said, I'm not only your God when you're doing good. I wish. I'm also your God when you're messing up. I'm not just your God when you're singing praise to me. I'm also your God when, you're, when your speech and your life doesn't look like it should. He said, I will never leave you. So the reason why you could put your confidence and your trust in Jehovah is because, number one, here's what, the way he was with Moses, he's going to be with me. And the, uh, and the fact is he will never leave. Say never. Don't just say never. Say never, ever. And if you're so inclined, say never, ever, 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 ever. He will never leave nor forsake. Watch it, watch it, because I have to be done. Some people are already watching the time. He says, not only will I never leave, but here's what he says. He says, I swore this. I swore to your forefathers that I was going to give you the land. So if nothing else, you already see, saw how I was with Moses. You've already heard me say, and if you, if you mix up my promise that I'll never leave you, he said, listen, uh, here's the next reason why you could put your trust in me, because I swore. That is the highest form, at least from an Old Testament perspective, of showing how serious somebody was about fulfilling a commitment. I didn't just say I was going to do it. I swore. Some of us growing up, we would swear on our mama's grave. We'll swear on grandmama's grave. We'll swear on our life because there was no one greater than God. God said, I swore on myself that I was going to accomplish the task. So he said, here's how you deal with your fear from, from, from the onset. Learn to put your trust and your confidence in Yahweh. Secondly, let me go on to the next one really quick because I have to be done. Here, here's what God goes on to say. Uh, number two, number two, number two. Not only do you need to put your trust and your confidence in me, but here's what he says. Don't let my word slip. You could find that in verse number seven and verse number eight. He says, don't let my word slip from your mind and slip from your mouth. The reason why it slips from our mouth ultimately is because it slips from our mind. But he says, don't let it slip from your thoughts, nor slip from your speech. As you think it, speak it. And if you're speaking it, it comes from a place of your thoughts. So he says, here's how you deal with fear issues. Dwell in my word. If, 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 if you want to overcome fear in your life, you might read all these different books, which are great. I'm, I'm not saying don't go to a counselor. I'm not saying don't read other books. Other books are helpful. I'm going to show you some tips here in a, in a, in a quick jiffy. There are all kinds of tips that are going to help you overcome and deal and cope with your fear. But here is what you ought not to miss as you treat with fear from the root of it all. Here is what I want you to recognize. God is saying to Joshua and Joshua is writing and saying through the Holy Spirit to us, stick in and with my word. Because I'll tell you what, with God sometimes it might sound crazy. With God sometimes it might sound foolish, but his way is always the best way. But you got to know it. 
Because there are some things in his word that he reveals without it you will not know. How would you know who God is had it not been for his word? How would you know how God operates had it not been for his word? How would you know God's commands had it not been for his word? How would you know how to be pleasing in the sight of God had it not been for his word? So we need to trust in God, but the only way we could truly put our trust and confidence in God is when we build a good understanding through the reading and study of his word. Could I, could I say this and, and just move on really quick? Could I say this? If you don't have a healthy diet and relationship with the word of God, do not expect to grow beyond where you are at. So, 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 so here it is, here it is. As I, as I move on really quickly, I want to do this really quick. Just, just give me this next, this next slide. This, th these are all some tips. You could take a picture of this. Do it. These are just some tips. Of everything I've read, you know, there, there's a whole lot more than this, but these are kind of like make up the consensus of things that I've read and things that I've, I've, I've encountered with regard to helpful tips to overcome fear. Number one, accept it. Stop trying to act like if you don't have a fear or a phobia. Number two, be able and willing to call it out. In other words, give the thing a name. Uh, you might have a phobia of spiders. Well, say I have a phobia of spiders. You might have a phobia of talking to people. Well, say you have a phobia of talking to people. Whatever it is, learn to call it out. Uh, that, that, that's, 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 that's similar to sin too. Whatever sin we're struggling with, learn to call it. That's a different story. Number three, allow yourself to feel it. Uh, don't, don't, don't numb yourself to what you're feeling. Uh, it's interesting because all of these would also work for grief as well to allow yourself to go through the feeling of what you are encountering in the moment. Number four, learn to face it. At, at some given point in time, you have to step up and say, okay, fear, I'm going to stand before you right now and let's see how this thing goes, right? So, so you got to learn to face it. Don't run and hide from your fear. Number five, get your reps in. Marilena, when, when, when I send the slides to her, she, she, she sent back a text asking, what do you mean by reps? I said, well, let me, let me illustrate it this way. I hate to do this. The first time I got in to a penalty shootout situation, I thought I was going to score the goal. Now, a penalty, if you, if you follow, follow football, football, where, where, where my Hispanic members at? Soccer, if you're in the U.S. Football everywhere else. A, a penalty setup is probably the easiest, easiest opportunity for you to score a goal. It's you, a few yards away from the goal, and a goalie. All you have to do, honestly, is choose a side, left or right, and decide in your mind if you're going high or you're going low. That's it. But when you're running up to the ball, the mind says, hit the ball really hard. Tachi, I know it's time to be done. <laughs> the mind says, kick this ball really hard. And so you drive through the ball, and as you drive through the ball, and you lose sense of where you are because you're only given to this one sole thought, the tendency is you have just lost all control of where this ball could possibly go. So the first time I took a penalty kick, it was actually a very substantial time and a very substantial game. Well, I missed the penalty kick. I hit the bar. But the bar wasn't the back of the net. So, so hitting the bar wasn't 
where I was supposed to hit, I was supposed to hit behind the net. Well, I hit the bar and we lost the game. And from that point on, you know what I started to do after games and, uh, and after practice sessions and before practice sessions? I would take the ball and I would put it on the penalty spot and I would kick that ball a hundred times, whatever, however long it took so I could get control. of. That's the idea of developing reps. I want to I wanna perfect this thing, but in as much as I want to perfect it, I have to put myself through the process of repetition. Repetition, repetition. How do we overcome fear, brother Morgan? When you've done it the first time, even though you did it and you were shaky and you may have made some mistakes, you try it again and you try it again and you try it again until eventually you could do like Steve Diggs and stand before an audience and do his thing. I promise you if you talk to him, he will tell you. It's not that I don't have some type of apprehension. It's not that I don't feel some type of way, but I've done it long enough. And I know the material well enough that I could stand and do besides my apprehensions, besides my weaknesses, besides all of that, I could stand and do the job that needs to be done, repetitions. Get the reps in. But I didn't want to leave us. I didn't want to leave us. I didn't want to leave us. Would you stand with me? I'm done. I didn't want to leave us because this slide, I told Jose this morning, this slide is, 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 is a weird slide because you know, it has all these, it has this big image with fear on it, fear on it, fear on it. I didn't want to leave you guys with just that image of fear. Just that image of fear. So I want to I wanna leave this image of this affirmation in your mind. If you don't mind, just read this statement with me. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. One more time. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. One more time. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail.